Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 85 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. It's the road to recovery for me and our regular monthly questions and answers session for everybody else. Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Firstly, thank you everyone for your kind thoughts regarding my back problems. I'm hopeful that things are starting to settle down and normal service will soon be back with us, so uh, fingers crossed for that. It's been a really frustrating period of time for me, and I do really appreciate everyone's messages of support, your patience, and also some of those uh, suggested remedies, which I have given a go. But uh, enough of my back problems, let's get straight into this month's questions and answers session. And the first question comes from Fran Barham, who asks, my question is about the Thorns Waspout hive entrances. I have three on my hives right now, and they have done a great job in preventing robbing and wasp ingress. Do you think I can leave these on over winter instead of putting on mouse guards? Well, hi, Fran. It's lovely to hear from you, and it's nice to hear that the waspout entrances have served you well. I'm not particularly familiar with them, but checking them out online, they look as if they're a kind of piece of plastic conduit channel that's attached to the entrance block and has some holes drilled in the front for ventilation. And I guess the entrance is at the side of that piece of conduit. And I guess as long as they're not affected by the cold weather, they should be fine. The entrance just needs to be shallow enough to prevent the mice from being able to squeeze themselves inside. And judging by the images online, I think the waspo entrance will do the job perfectly well. So yes, I think you can probably go ahead and leave that on rather than taking it out and swapping it for a mouse guard. Next up is a question from Eva Loyson, who says, Hello Stuart, my question is about a very full-to-bursting hive. I'm convinced they will swarm on the first warm day of spring, so please could you advise how to prepare for an artificial swarm to prevent this, and how early could I do it? Many thanks and all good wishes. Well, hi, Ava, and thanks for the question, and it's nice to see someone preparing for spring so early. The good news is obviously that you have plenty of time to prepare for spring swarms next season, and although your colony looks huge now, there will be a significant reduction in size over winter, and as such, the colony will need to rebuild in spring prior to swarming. So if you keep an eye on them over the winter period and watch as they start to develop again in the early months of next year, you should be fine. But remember also that colonies won't swarm until there are plenty of drones around for the new virgin queens to mate with. So a really good indication that colonies are getting ready is the early production of drone cells. Talking of which, all the books will tell you that drones get kicked out over the winter but I don't think that that's always the case. I've seen drones in winter colonies, and no, before anyone out there posts me a message, it wasn't a drone-laying queen. So do keep a careful watch for drones. But having said all of that, to answer your question regarding the artificial swarm, an artificial swarm simply removes two of the three parts of a near-swarming colony, and those three parts being the queen, the flying bees, and the brood. You simply move the old hive to one side, add a new hive to the old hive position, 
move the queen on a frame with empty cells in it into the new hive and fill that hive up with foundation and then allow all of the flying bees to go back to her. In the old hive you can now do several things. If there are eggs you could remove all of the queen cells and have the remaining bees produce a new batch of queen cells and this puts you in control of the timing of those queen cells. So if you need to be very specific about when the queen cells might emerge then by removing all of the old queen cells you can then take control of that timing. Alternatively you could remove all bar one of those queen cells and let this queen emerge uh, which is I think the traditional method. You could also split the brood down into nucleus colonies and give each of those nukes a sealed queen cell. I did this earlier in the year this season and produced six nukes from one colony and I'm glad to say that all are thriving and ready for winter. I hope that gives you a flavour of how it all works. I do have several videos showing the process and I've also got a memory jogger PDF that I can post for you to download. So if uh, you're interested in seeing that, drop me a message and I'll make sure that I make that available. Next up is Robert McDonald, and Robert says, I'm busy planning expansion for next year and working out what I need to buy. Do you bother painting or oiling your wooden hives? Well, hi, Robert, and again, I'm delighted you're already thinking ahead. And uh, in terms of what I use to treat my hives, I've always tended to use a mix of raw linseed oil and beeswax in a ratio of something around nine parts oil to one part wax. I warm the wax so that it's molten, warm the oil and you have to do this very gently and not anywhere near a naked flame. Raw linseed oil has a flash point that's lower than its boiling point so you have to be extremely careful with it. Mix the two together and it turns into a cream uh, which can actually be used for furniture polish but then you can take that creamy mixture and either paint it or wipe it into the bare wood of your hives. It smells great and it makes your hands super soft. The ratio I normally use is 900 mils of oil to 100 mils of beeswax, but you can adjust that slightly to get a firmer or looser mix, depending on whether you want to brush it on or use a cloth to apply it. If you do brush it on, then give it a little bit of time to soak in and then kind of wipe away the excess with a rag as well. But don't leave that rag outside anywhere near uh, intense sunlight because they can actually spontaneously combust so just be careful with it because it can be a bit tricky to use but I've also used things like cuprinol shades I've used a long time ago we always used to use creosote uh, and some of the hives that I've got have never been treated at all because cedar if you buy cedar hives doesn't actually need to be treated so there's lots of options out there and in answering your question I do sometimes treat them, but sometimes I don't. Do let me know how you decide to progress, and if you have some pictures when you're finished, then do send them over and I'll post them onto the Patreon page. Next question is from Robert Holdsworth, and he says, Hi Stuart, a newbie question. Is it necessary to feed pollen substitute in the autumn? I live in Hungary, and I'm not going to try and pronounce the place that Robert lives, and the temperatures are still around 17 
degrees centigrade during the day. Well, hi, Robert, and thanks for your question. And it's a, an excellent question. There is uh, actually no need to feed pollen substitute in the autumn. It's far better to wait until the spring when the colony is expanding, and then only if you don't have any natural pollens close by. The bees will have undoubtedly been foraging lots of pollen during the late summer and autumn, particularly here we have lots of ivy and that gives lots and lots of pollen and I've no doubt that you've got something similar over in Hungary and that should be easily enough for them to overwinter with. It's when the brood nest starts to expand in the spring that they sometimes need a little extra pollen and a good reason why you might want to trap some pollen from your own hives during a busy summer period but any of the pollen substitutes will work well and there's lots of proprietary brands out there that you can choose from so I wouldn't feed pollen substitute now I would wait until the early spring have a look at the bees and if you think they need it then you can feed them then the next question is from Richard McLean and he asks I'm a brand new beekeeper and he puts in brackets two whole months and I inherited two hives just in time to treat and feed them like Robert I'd be interested to hear your views on other feeding now that they've taken the sugar solution should I put fondant and pollen substitute on now or wait until next year additionally they are both currently about one mile from my garden and i'd like to move them here i don't have any further away location that i could park them in and i've read about methods where you shut them in for 72 hours and obstruct the entrance afterwards would you recommend this i'm afraid of losing bees at this time of the year would it be better to wait until they are flying in march or April of next year. I'm in the Highlands. Daytime temperatures are seven to nine degrees or so at the moment. Thank you for your help and all your informative videos. Well, hi Richard and welcome to the exciting world of beekeeping. I'm delighted that you've started beekeeping and being a whole two months into your new hobby, I imagine that you're quite excited about it all still. So the question regarding pollen, I've kind of covered with Robert in terms of fondant. If you feel your bees may be a little light on food stores for whatever reason through the winter, then fondant is the right choice. Personally, I now have a few hives that I would have liked to have topped up with some extra syrup over the last three or four weeks, but my back problem prevented me from doing it. Now, instead of feeding them syrup going into November, I'll wait until after Christmas and then have a little look to see how they're getting on, and if necessary, give them a pack of fondant until the spring flows start. If you've fed them well through the autumn, generally they're not going to need any fondant at all. And I think a lot of beginner beekeepers tend to take an approach of belt and braces in terms of feeding. And if you've only got one or two hives, then it's not going to break the bank if you happen to put a couple of packs of fondant on. Uh, but if you've got 50 or 60 hives, the cost can ratchet up quite quickly. So just see whether you think they need them or not. But if you've got any doubts or any concerns, then just put in a couple of packs of fondant and I'm sure they'll be fine. In terms of moving them, if you need to move them, I would wait until the depths of winter. Pick a period where there'll be a good cold blast for a week or so and move them at that time. They should remain tucked up in their cluster and they won't venture out until it warms up sufficiently. Any flights will be cleansing flights of short distances and it will give them plenty of time to get their bearings for their new location. I'm really excited for you Richard and I hope you're enjoying your beekeeping hobby and I look forward to hearing about how things 
go through the winter for you and into next year. Next up is a question from Ben Radley. Hi Stuart, I was wondering what is the latest you've ever had a call for a genuine swarm? Yesterday, 9th of October, I had just that. Suspecting it was something else, I was amazed to find a decent sized swarm hanging from the gutter of a two-story building. The bees looked in good shape, so I set about collecting them. No easy task at the top of a ladder, but I managed to scoop them into a bucket I had tied to the gutter directly beneath the swarm and even found the queen. These were transferred into a nuke box and placed on the roof next to where the swarm had been hanging. Most of the bees still hanging around went in within an hour and all seems to be fine. I had some frames of drawn comb in the nuke and so now I'm feeding, feeding, feeding. My question is, do you think they will survive the winter? I'm guessing the queen in this swarm would be the original mated queen from the parent colony, which incidentally is in the chimney of the property. After all the effort, I did question whether it was worth the trouble, but at least they now have a chance. They would have surely died if they'd been left on their own this late in the year. Well, hi Ben, a great job there in collecting them, but please be careful at the top of a ladder. There are so many opportunities for accidents when you're trying to collect bees at the top of a ladder. But moving swiftly on, funnily enough, I've just been called out to a swarm and it's the 24th of October and it is a genuine swarm. I'll post a few pictures of it on the Patreon page to show you exactly what it looks like. It's actually on the side of a church. I'll keep you all posted as to what happened to them, but do take a look at the pictures. But back to your swarm, you've done right in feeding them. I would give them pollen substitute now as they won't have much at all and this is obviously the protein that they need to feed young larvae and yes without doubt they will survive and be a huge colony for you in the spring. I do also believe in Santa and the Easter Bunny so make of that what you will. But seriously I think you've done all that you possibly can. Uh, I can't think of anything else that you could do but fingers crossed that they do survive and take a few pictures and do let me know how you get on with them. Rachel George Hamilton has a great question regarding flow hives. Hi Stuart, I'm new to beekeeping and looking to get my first hive next year. Could I ask your opinion of use of flow hives as supers? Have you tried one and do you intend to? Well hi Rachel and uh, thanks for the question. I personally don't have any flow hives but at our local beekeeping association, we do have a couple of beekeepers who've had one for two or three years now from the original crowdfunded flow hives. And they've had quite a tricky time with it, I think. The flow hive works on allowing mature runny honey to flow out of the supers and into waiting containers without the need for extraction equipment. And in a lot of cases, it will work really well. And I'm sure it would be great fun to play around with. But for me here in Norfolk, it may pose a challenge as we have a lot of oilseed rape honey which granulates very quickly and in a lot of cases granulates in the comb which then needs to be cut out. So timing the extraction process is a balance of luck and experience. The longer you've kept bees, the more you can rely on experience and less on luck. For you, it may well be the other way round, and if you have any crops in your area that granulate quickly in the comb, you might find yourself guessing right and seeing lots of delicious runny honey pouring out from your flow hive, or if not, you may have a tricky job of dismantling the flow hive supers to get at the granulated honey. Remember, I've never used these hives, and there may well be a trick that can be used 
to prevent this difficult situation from occurring. Personally, for a beginner beekeeper, I would select a basic hive in the style and size that you want and spend a couple of seasons watching your bees and learning how they behave before embarking on a slightly more technical method of keeping your bees and securing a honey crop. That said, I'm sure there are beginner beekeepers out there who went straight for a flow hive and have had great success with it. And I'd love to know how you get on, so do stay in touch. If I can persuade my beekeeper friends with the flow hive to chat to me about their experiences, I'll try to record it for the podcast. Philip Roberts is up next. He says, Hi Stuart, preparing hives for winter. It would be useful to hear your thoughts on the benefits or not of putting the brood box on top of the super for the winter. Well, hi, Philip, and thanks for the question. For the majority of my national beehives, I tend to place the super below the brood box. For my commercial and Langstroth hives, I overwinter those on just a brood box. I think the extra stores for the national hives are worth providing, and placing it below the hive lifts the brood nest a little higher above any prevailing cold winds in the winter. I think the commercials and the Langstroths have enough room not to need to do this. I hope that helps. Next up is a question from Steve Hancock. Hi Stuart, currently feeding two to one syrup. When should I change this to fondant? Well, hi Steve, I would think feeding should be finished by now. We're one week away from November and personally I don't start to think about fondant until after Christmas and then only with colonies I think maybe short of food for one reason or another. To give an example, My commercial hives are a floor, brood box, crime board and roof. And when I give them fondant, I place it directly on the crime board feed holes above the cluster. The warmth of the cluster keeps the fondant soft and the bees get stuck into it pretty quickly. But I don't ever do that until after Christmas. As I mentioned earlier in one of the other questions, you might not need to feed fondant. Just keep an eye on your bees, see how they're performing. But if you've only got a couple of hives then popping a pack of fondant on isn't going to do them any harm at all. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, Thanks to you all for your questions as usual, and hopefully normal service will resume over the next few weeks as my back improves and I'm able to get out and do more videos, lots more podcasts, and some more posts to all of the social media and Patreon pages. If you're not yet familiar with Patreon, Do catch up with more of my beekeeping journey by checking out the continually growing content list on my creator page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. Well, have a great week and thanks for hanging around until the end of the podcast. I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet. (laughs) 